It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 667 of Accelerate, 667 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I have two great conversations lined up for you today. Join me first will be Pat Lynch. Pat's the Vice President of Sales Enablement Excellence and Innovation at MindTickle. And following my talk with Pat is another in my series of weekly conversations with my good friend, Bridget Gleason. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales and marketing professionals. This feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by 250-plus researchers who continually update contact data and provide account-specific insights to help sales and marketing teams break ahead of the pack. See the product live at discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. That's discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. Okay, joining me on the first segment of Accelerate this week is Pat Lynch. As I mentioned before, Pat is the Vice President of Sales Enablement Excellence and Innovation at MindTickle. Now, Pat was just on Accelerate a few months ago, and we had such an interesting conversation about the differences between sales training and sales enablement that I asked him to come back on the show, and we're going to continue the conversation we started then. Now, in this part of our talk, we talk about some of the more pressing learning and educational needs that sales teams have, and needs that perhaps enablement can respond to more quickly than can conventional sales training. So, check it out. Pat Lynch, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Andy Paul. It's a pleasure to be back. Oh, it's great to have you. Great to have you. So, uh, we were just talking before I got on there. You've got a little bit of an, uh, an injury. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I live in Colorado and uh, I was skiing on the second to the last day of the season on the last run of the day. And um, so you're tired. Well, actually, not too much. I wasn't really too bad. Um, but uh, snow conditions change radically and uh, we call it Velcro snow. So uh, the wet <laughs> snow grabbed my ski and uh, launched me in midair. And as my ski buddy said, I look like a yard sale. So yeah, I broke my wrist in two places, but good news, no surgery. So I feel very grateful. And your equipment spread out all over, all over the slope. Uh, it did. And the only embarrassment was um, having told hundreds of people over the years as a former national ski patrolman on the last run of the day to take it easy. Um, yeah, that was me. So I guess I should have taken it easier. <laughs> and it's always great to have your friends there to support you. You look like a yard sale. I, <laughs> yes. I, I remember my first really bad bicycle crash. Uh, I was riding with a guy and we we're coming down a, a pretty steep hill going at a pretty high rate of speed, probably, you know, high 20s, low 30s, and um, my back tire exploded. And I just go right over the handlebars because, you know, the rim hits the road, pops me up over, oh. and managed to, you know, take most of the skin off my back and oh. concussion and so on. But Gee, his, fir his first word as he zooms up to me was, cool, crash. <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, thank God it was cool looking, right? Yeah. My yard and your cool crash, but... Yeah, at another time, you know, we'll, we'll share we'll share biking stories. Thank God, my only nine one one experience is, of course, the road cycling. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So, That's I've had right. my share. Maybe I've had your crashes. I think maybe so. Maybe you're safe if we share no, it together. The the good news is we can only go up from from here. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, hey, I, we want. Continue where we sort of left off last time, and and I don't think we really got to the harder matter. We we're talking about sales enablement, and so one of the topics I wanted to lead with was 
Yeah, everybody largely agrees that sales training is broken. And, um, but I think there's still a place for it, I guess. So I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about sales training and then talk about what some of the alternatives are to that. Because to me, the big divide is between training and education. You know, the, the more time I've, I've spent in sales, which has been four decades at this point, is that you know, it really becomes clearer and clearer to me that sort of the, the point training, you know, has, its purpose has sort of been outlived its purpose, and though in most cases. But that what we really need is we, we need to educate sellers about you know, to, how to get a, a broader perspective on the world, how they can really participate in the conversations their customers want to have, and, and we'll get into more of the details later. But, but I guess the interest in your perspective, and sort of what, what is the real role of sales training right now as it's sort of executed? You know, sort of these event-based um, you know, skills training or methodology training and so on. Sure. Well, having been through probably six formal sales training methodologies um, over the course of my um, selling profession, uh, you know, going on 24 years now, um, they're all very good. Uh, I was speaking to uh, the CEO of a very reputable sales training company, and he told me quite candidly, he goes, look, Pat, we're all saying basically the same stuff Mm -hmm. for many years now. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, is that a good thing or a bad, <laughs> or a bad thing? Um, yet, there's, I don't think there's going to be really anything new um, from a sales methodology. I think it's all about execution, application, um, and reinforcement. And what I find very interesting is if you just look at the course of sales training from a corporate learning perspective, it's all replicated from academia, the classroom experience. And really, in the U.S., it's only about 50 years old. But guess what? It hasn't changed. Mm. It's still ILT, instructor-led training. Now, I can tell you, having been on both sides, right, at having worked um, uh, at Miller-Hyman Group but with CSO Insights, having been through um, their training, which, you know, quite candidly, I found it was some of the only training that made me money. Um, but I've been through other sales training methodologies And it's still instructor-led training, workbook, event-based. You uh, all the research shows you lose a majority of that. You're only able to retain 10, 20 percent. The issue is, how do you use it from a practical standpoint if you're in sales? And the answer is, you don't. (laughs) It's event-based, right? So the only way you can actually use that learning if it's reinforced, and how is it reinforced? Maybe if you're lucky through some coaching. Maybe if you're lucky through some sales managers who are actually very good coaches and understand the importance of reinforcement, maybe if you have some sales technology uh, platform, a lot of sales tools out there, but for the most part, it's broke, um, kind of like my wrist, uh, <laughs> but, but, and you need a cast on it, but it can be fixed. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think part of the thing that happens that we sort of do a disservice to salespeople is this idea that... That there's like one true way, right? I mean, I understand training on methodologies and why a company might want to sort of base its its world on you know Miller Hyman or Sandler or whatever. But for me, the fact of the matter is, you know, I look at at myself and I've had a very successful career in sales. Is I'm sort of the sum total of everything, you know, that I've been exposed to. I've gone through, and I'm sure you are too. I mean, I've gone through maybe three. I've got Miller Hyman, Spin. 
one other I can't remember <laughs> at this point. But then it seems like you have this proliferation. I saw one today, a webinar. Somebody said, you know, invite a webinar on conversational selling. And it's like, I'm thinking, okay, we can't sell without a conversation. So what <laughs> what, what exactly are they talking about? It's sort of like, you know, relationship selling. It's like, okay, we well, can't sell without a relationship. Right. Uh, and, and it's like, for people who really say, what you really need to do is is pay attention and sort of pick and choose, I think. is, And I, I suspect you've done what I've done, which is... Over time, as I've, yeah, I'm a sum total of everything. Right, and and if you, um, uh, you know, for those of you, um, I, I know this is a podcast, but uh, behind me is a, a a list of sales books. Um, there were two um, bookcases I had to winnow down to fit the whiteboard. Um, but what's interesting is I've highlighted almost everything I've read. Well, I have to turn around, get the book maybe go online and pull out a, a key point that I want to remember to apply. Mm -hmm. That is not ongoing and continuous learning. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, that's Pat with, you know, 50 sales books, trying to remember which, which one do I want to use for this particular instance? It's just not effective. It doesn't happen very often. And it's certainly not going to make me money if I'm in full-time selling. So I think that's where there's such an outstanding opportunity, Andy, with technology. And I'm, and I know maybe I'm, you know, my wife calls me the eternal optimist, but I am really optimistic for frontline salespeople, sales managers, and sales leaders because the technology, not only at MindTickle because we're a platform, but some of the other things I'm seeing out there, genuinely can help salespeople. Here's the caveat, though. Uh, I was just on the phone with Jim Dickey of CSO Insights, and he was right. sharing with me that. Uh, and, I, and I've seen a lot of research, read a lot of research, Forrester, Gartner, Aberdeen, IDC, uh, Serious Decisions. But he kind of painted this bleak picture. He said, Pat, um, we've been doing research for 25 years now, and almost all of the sales metrics but one are down. Right. And we talked about this last time. That's, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so, so even though I'm the eternal optimist, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing snow uphill. But, you know, somebody's got to do it. Well, but part of it seems to me is, is that somebody has to care. And, and so I, here's a perfect example. And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I was at a conference this week and was talking to a CRO of a very well-known SaaS company. And, you know, they're growing very rapidly. And, I, and we were sort of having this conversation about the future of, of selling. And I said, well, I, to me, there's a problem. The problem is that, especially in the SaaS business, is you guys have institutionalized bad performance. And you start, you know, what do you mean? I said, well, you've institutionalized. You all think it's great that you close 20% of your business out of your pipeline. I said, I'm going to guess that's sort of your close rate. And he goes, yeah, it's exactly 20%. And uh, I said, so when you're thinking about growing sales, what you're thinking about is what we've built this machine to f get leads into the top of the funnel. And I said, well, that's great, but that seems really expensive. Why don't you just teach your sellers and help them learn how to increase their close rates from 20 to 21% to 22%. And if, sure. you get up to th if you get up to 30%, you don't need to hire all those extra SDRs because you're generating all this additional revenue out of the leads you're already generating. It was like the thought, and this, again, not trying to pick on him it's like but it's like the thought had never occurred to him it's not in his plan at all to address that and so it seems like well isn't this sort of one of the issues we're dealing with when i talk about education and people learning is that 
you would think that'd be the first thing you'd be curious about as a sales leader is how do I how do I improve the productivity of the people actually selling? Well, yeah, and productivity is a major issue uh, because productivity keeps going down. So I think I mentioned this to you in part one, but um, some of the research and data I've seen um, from both Forrester and CSO Insights is overall quota attainment and right. things like that. They're down over the last six years. That is a truly a slippery slope. So, uh, you know, maybe this, you know, SaaS company, high growth, good for them. That, that, you know, that's just one marketplace. That's one vertical market. I would say 90% of businesses don't, don't have those problems. Those are nice problems to have. So um, getting back a little bit um, sure. about training, um, what's interesting is what we're seeing and what we're really starting to develop is if on the left-hand side, you have the word training in an arrow and it's, it's pointing to enablement. And then above training and enablement, you have uh, the word learning. Um, look, learning's always going to be with us, of course. But I don't know, and I'm, I don't know that sales training is going to be with us um, for a long time. And the reason I say that is because training is just not cutting it uh, as we know it today. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're, I believe, we're moving genuinely more toward enablement, not only enablement of salespeople, but enablement of product development, enablement of marketing, enablement of field engineering, enablement of customer success. So it begs the question, Pat, what's the difference between tra training and enablement? And I think, you know, you can train an animal and you can enable a person. What I mean by that is enabling somebody to achieve more, achieve faster, achieve sustainably. I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm going to train somebody faster that I'm going to train somebody to win more and train somebody to sustainability. I mean, Maybe I'm missing something here, Andy, and, and you can correct me, but the word training doesn't fit um, in the future vocabulary to actually learn so that you can achieve outcomes. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I couldn't agree more. In fact, actually, the title of, of – I have a weekly newsletter I send out, and, and the title of the article, lead article last time was, You Educate Children, You Train Pets. And his right. really about this this topic is that I see this huge education gap, right? I mean, we talked to touch this a little bit the first time is that you know how do we motivate individual contributors, frontline managers, and so on to want to learn more about the profession they're in, and not just sort of situational training and and not limiting enablement at all, but but. Yeah, you know, the science of selling, social psychology, psychology, decision making, all these things that contribute to you know the conversation around sales. Now people need to be more engaged and wanting to learn more about that. And and that is gonna enable their success as well. I mean I I'm a firm believer, you know, I look at the top performers that I've worked with, that I've studied, mm -hmm. sure. is they are the most well rounded people, the, you know, the most curious, that have the broadest reading lists and so on. And I think there's a role for companies in that. And I think this is, this is to me, is one of the transitions with training and, and I think enablement as well as, is I've interviewed some CEOs for this show and for other work I'm doing or, you know, they have companies where they set aside 30 minutes every day of company time where all work stops and they learn. Mm, wow. And Impressive. And it seems like to me that 
that's where we have to go. To me, that's that's the I don't say the revolution because I hate the word with in sales, but I mean it's it's that's sort of the the big transformation I see is that we have to institutionalize learning in a way that's not currently institutionalized. Right. So um, I, a couple things to to talk about in this podcast, obviously, is um, kind of what's the difference between MindTickle, which is a sales readiness cross-functional learning platform, and an LMS, you know, mm-hmm. learning management system. I think I may have said it before. And again, I have nothing against LMSs, but I, I consider them legacy management systems. Yeah, I agree. Uh, start to um, apply them to outcomes. It's just, it's apples and oranges. But for there's a great report, um, a great report put out by Burson Deloitte. I'll mention some of their, their research in our call. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years, they found that learners only have 24 minutes a week to actually learn. 24 minutes a week. Now that's two years in a row. And so, well, how how are, how are they how are they defining that though? I mean, that 24 minutes because the thing I find sort of ironic is we talk about this in the sales environment, yet CSO Insights, I believe, reports showing that hey, sales reps are only spending roughly a third of their time selling anyway. So you would think they have more than 24 minutes, but I'll throw that back to you. Yeah, no, no worries. So, I mean, really, it's just one percent of a typical work week. In that, a lot of the employees. Um, that's all they've got time to focus on training and development. They're, they're actually, I was just asked this question, well, why? And I said, well, they're distracted. If you look at the research when smartphones came on the market, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Really, it's fascinating to see the drop in uh, sales productivity. Um, it took the drop in learning time spent. Notice that's not qualitative, that's just quantitative. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the stats on people and using their devices. It's, it's incredible. So um, one of the things, um, I'll just share this with you. I just got off the phone with Scott Santucci, um, you know, one of the founders and the chairman of the Sales Enablement Society. Right. We're doing a, um, a strategy session um, for sales enablement and other executives in Atlanta next week. And what we're doing is we're actually creating, it's not going to be a presentation, it's going to be a workshop. And um, we're actually printing out a, a workshop manual so that can, people can follow along the presentation, but also have an opportunity to ask questions, take notes. We just did this two weeks ago in New York City, and I, I posted something on LinkedIn. Uh, in all complete honesty, it was after the session in New York City, I can't remember when everybody during the hour and a half or hour was heads down copiously taking notes the entire time. I'm not since I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe we didn't educate them upfront enough, but what that told me was the content is so rich that literally people are taking out pads of paper and we had notebooks for them and they were just writing furiously to try to retain as much information in the note so that later on they can go back to that that tells me we hit a chord. So we're just going to take that. We're going to make it a workshop. And so I think that's an opportunity for people to actually learn. And it's going to obviously be 60 minutes. So everybody there will almost have triple the, the time they normally spend. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, to me, it seems like the future is more along the line of what, what mind is trying to do. I would maybe extend it. As I said, does I think at some point, 
corporations have to realize that they're putting too much of the onus on individuals to invest in their own development when they really need to bring some of that in house and and you know create this learning culture which is could be technology based in some respects but also i think people just have to sort of say look this is a worthwhile investment of time from a corporate right. standpoint yeah so there's a couple things at play um uh actually probably one of the biggest things at play is uh where MindTickle is uh, an early disruptor to the whole L&D, LMS learning mm-hmm. space. Um, disruptor in, a, in a, a real positive way. And I'm not saying that because I work for MindTickle. I'm saying that because if you really want to help salespeople, you want them to win. And mm-hmm. so uh, with a focus on outcomes and then working backwards, um, that's where we're helping them to win. So just to give you an example of from a learning L&D perspective, um, I'm, I'm meeting with um, 14 uh, chief learning officers next week in Atlanta. I've met with probably 15, many of them in the Fortune 500 over the last two months. I'm hearing um, consistency in that they're saying LMS is a dinosaur. I want to fire my LMS. Um, I can't get outcomes out of my LMS. Now, notice these are L&D people, right? Sure. And they don't control a lot of the sales training. Right. But at the end of the day, what they're hearing more and more is, where's my ROI on mm-hmm. L- where's the ROI on the LMS platform? So um, where MindTickle plays is, you know, we, we're not a rip and replace. Um, I like to say more, we're a retire and let it expire. We play very nicely with a lot of LMSs. Uh, we integrate with many of them so that version control is not an issue, mm-hmm. but there are clear capabilities differentiation. So um, micro learning is a key component of our platform that's done with some LMS. Um, we do video role playing, coaching, gamification, right. uh, quizzes, badges, certifications, leaderboards. That really doesn't exist in an LMS. Um, we provide visual analytics, heat maps, literally real time gap analysis based on competency models. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things. That's really not the purpose of LMS. A little bit of it, absolutely. They do a great job at compliance learning, check the box learning. But when you're talking sales, it's all about outcomes. And with LMS, it is there is no ongoing continuous learning while you're selling. It, it's just apples and oranges. But that's well, yeah, because it's it's very yeah. course or it's course oriented. A- ab- absolutely, and right. um, so and again, we're, we haven't even talked about analytics, real-time coaching, that's an LMS was not designed for that. So I think um, I'm never going to throw LMS under a bus, but I definitely think at least from the CLOs that I've listened to, they know LMS is not appropriate for future learning. It's, I mean, for outcomes-based learning, I should say. Well, yeah, for outcomes-based learning. And and, I mean, what Technology like MindTickle offers, I think, is part of the reason I'm excited about offerings like that. Is that it's you know situational, you know, it's adaptable to what's happening in the moment. Whereas courses are sort of static, right? <laughs> and you invest a lot of time in courses, and they become, as you said, these legacy learning systems. And yeah, it's just not cost effective. Well, not only not cost effective, but I'll just share some research with you. So, 67 percent of people are learning on mobile devices today. Mm-hmm. So, and the CLOs that I've, I've met with, most of the LMS and what they want to do with learning, right? So, is not on mobile. So, I, you can train people, but my question is, can you show me how they've learned? 
and they can't. They can mm-hmm. show me a score, but there's there's no correlation to outcomes. That's okay. But what is the radical differentiator between our platform at MindTickle and everybody else? And this is what's so exciting, what we're starting to see, um, is you can actually start to correlate. Yes, I'm using the word correlate. You can start to see the correlation of learning outcomes to performance outcomes. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you know, full transparency, our platform does not allow those two to come together, okay? But if you can start to show how learning outcomes, which you can see on our platform by using several different cases, use cases like coaching, onboarding, gamification, surveys, events, all of those different use cases or business processes, you genuinely can start to see how your top performers, your B players, your C players, how those outcomes affect performance. And that's very exciting and it's very powerful if you're a sales leader. And what's really interesting to me is at MindTickle, um, we have not pursued um, CHROs. We have not pursued L&D in training. Mm -hmm. Um, What I find um, incredibly um, affirming is that these different lines of business around HR, L&D, et cetera, they are coming to us and they're saying, hey, how... What are you doing that's getting those type of incredible results for a sales organization from a learning perspective? They're asking us. So again, it's just more affirmation that they are, they need help and, you know, hopefully we can help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we've recorded for people are listening to this and watching and people will be watching this. Um, Yeah. We've recorded a a demonstration of MindTiggle. People will be able to access if they want to see some of the details with uh, Daniel Cooperman from your organization. So it gives more, more detail about that. But I think, yeah, you start laying out a scenario when we look at, you know, what I'm concerned about in terms of education, right? Is the sort of continual engagement with something new. And I think that's, that's really the critical, the critical aspect for, for sales is this, yeah, whether you're, whether you're motivating curiosity or not, I mean, you're you're hopefully are to some degree, right? And you have a vehicle in which to do that because curiosity is what's going to drive people to say, hey, what I learned today on my phone based on questions that were pushed to me, I want to learn more about that. Hey, I understand there's a reference to a book or something. I'll, I'll go listen to the book. You know, I'm on the treadmill the next 10 days or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, here's, uh, again, just to quote from Deloitte, um, I, it's... It's a very exciting time for us. You know, uh, unemployment is at a record low. And Mm -hmm. to uh, the Deloitte report, did you know that as far as most in-demand jobs in 2018 and most in-demand skills, the second highest most in-demand skills is selling? Uh, I mean, across. Yeah, Yeah. wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, like, okay, so, wow, that's a good thing for us, right? (laughs) Yet it's, a, it's an enormous opportunity we have in the sales enablement, in the enablement profession. I mean, are you kidding me? If, those are the, if that's the second highest, most in-demand skills, according to Deloitte, what are we doing about that to not only meet those needs, but to really accentuate, to help those learners who are now in the sales profession win, to help them achieve the objectives they're trying to achieve day in and day out, learning on a continuous basis as they're selling. It's not the, it's actually the new way of selling. But again, just to to quote another statistic, which I find 
incredibly um, confirming is that um, basically Deloitte is saying where we're at today, we've gone from e-learning and blended learning to talent management in 2005 to continuous learning in 2010, though I may not completely agree with that, to 2018, they describe it as digital learning. And then in 2020, they're talking about learning in the flow of work. Mm -hmm. This is Deloitte, right? They're saying, look, you're going to be learning in the flow of work. You can't do that unless you literally have a platform using technology that enables your people to be learning as they're selling. And I'm just, we're just talking sales. We're not talking learning as they're doing customer success. Sure, all the other, right. Field engineering. So the, the research clearly shows that our platform and what we're doing, it's, it's not only coming our way, it's, it's our way now. Yeah, I mean, I would say based on the, the dates that you gave, whether they're precise or not, that that actually <laughs> reality is lagging those dates by <laughs> by five or five or seven years. But I agree with you, Andy. But the trend is the trend is there, right? But I think that. But I think you really, and you have just a couple of minutes left in this. Is is you know we start off the conversation as we talked about our first conversation is that you know there's sobering statistics about you know. Productivity. I'm going to say productivity. I'll say performance in sales, right? And Good levels point. of attainment. And because the underlying productivity is horrible, we're just going to start with performance. Is it says, look, we've got we've got this huge gap opportunity, but it's currently a gap. Is to you know create a culture of learning in sales because it's such a part of of the profession, right? The people that rise to the top. You know, sort of the old Brian Tracy, right? Read a book a month, and I guarantee you'll be in the top 1% of earners. And I think I agree with that. Um, it's certainly been proven in, in my own experience and the experience of managing teams and people who do this. So my concern is when we when we roll out tools like like MindTickle, which, you know... A platform, on, not a tool. Yeah, platform, sorry, is that is that the sales reps see it as an opportunity, not as, oh my God, it's like CRM, they want us to enter, you know, they want us to do all these things. It's like the company has to create this culture around it that's saying, yeah, this is not an imposition, this is an opportunity. And how do, how do we communicate that from a corporate standpoint to the individuals that are really the ones that will make it work? Right, and make it fun. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not being altruistic in that. Uh, sure. I, I asked one of the founders of MindTickle where the name came from, and he said, education plus fun equals MindTickle. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's part of our core. And it's being done by you know, clients like LinkedIn and Symantec and HPE and, and many others. In fact, for example, Nutanix, some other companies, they're using our platform as their LMS, even though they know it's not an LMS. But companies, I don't want to say they're desperate, but boy, I tell you, a lot of these CLOs, they really are between a rock and a hard place because if you've been teaching, right, the last 50 years in a corporate learning environment with instructor-led training and, and manuals, and, and now it's all moving digitally, mm-hmm. it's almost the digital divide. <laughs> There's this chasm they have to cross. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. We're, we're very honored to help these CLOs and people in L&D and training cross that chasm so that they can move toward actually um, identifying an ROI um, for the C-suite, um, identifying outcomes for their people. Look, everybody wants a rich learner engagement if you're in training. Everybody wants that. 
Um, and that's where MindTickle is a huge differentiator. We're, we're empowering the people in that profession who are tasked with educating not only salespeople, but success, sales success, customer success, et cetera, to achieve that rich learner engagement. Mm-hmm. You got to keep them engaged, right? In oh, absolutely. To take place. But to go back to your point, Andy, yeah, you have to create a culture of learning. It's hard to do, but I think with a, a platform like MindTickle and some other technologies out there, it's becoming easier. But I just want to make sure that, you know, it actually can become easier and you don't have to be in high tech. Okay. You don't have to have no. a tech stack. Yeah. Um, heaven, heaven forbid. Yeah. You yeah, can but, do it too. And not even a, know what a tech stack is. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a big world and this audience is not targeting tech world, but we have tech listeners, but uh, yeah, there's a big world outside the tech bubble. So this applies to, to everybody. Sure. All right. Well, Pat, well, thank you very much. Um, as I said, we have a demo recorded. It'll be available to people to, to see. Um, how can people get in touch, in touch with you and learn more about MindTickle? Yeah, the easiest way is just pat.lynch at mindtickle.com. Pat.lynch, L-Y-N-C-H at mindtickle.com. Um, and happy to pay it forward um, in any way, shape, form um, I can or how our company can help you, the listener, be more successful in what you're trying to achieve. Great. All right, Pat, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Pat. Again, that was Pat Lynch, Vice President of Sales Enablement, Excellence, and Innovation at MindTickle. Now, joining me next, as always, at this time, is my friend, Bridget Gleason. Bridget is the Vice President of Sales at Logs.io. Now, today, Bridget and I are going to tackle a pretty simple topic, commissions. As in, are commissions still an effective way to motivate reps? an effective way to incentivize the types of sales behaviors that companies want to see? I mean, if we eliminated commissions and had salespeople on salary, as many successful companies do and have done in the past, what would change about sales as a profession? All right, let's explore that. Let's jump into it. Bridget, how are you doing? Captain Andy. I was going to say Captain Fantastic for you, but Captain Andy. No, no, no. See, Captain Fantastic, you... You're, I really own you're it. About, I really own it. You do. And you're about ready to ascend into the pantheon of like Marvel comic heroes. I Captain know. Fantastic. That should I be mean, a superpower. Great at, great at sales. Okay. I mean, I've like got superpowers. Yeah. We've got, <laughs> I haven't seen the, the new um, Deadpool that's out, but I understand one of the. <laughs> "Quote unquote mutants that they have in that community is somebody who's like doesn't have a power." And I thought, okay, well that that would fit me. Say, character with a dad bod and and so on. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. So, um, anything else new with you? What was the first thing new? No. Um, what else is new with me? I am. I'm going to Italy, so I've got some vacation vacation coming up, which I'm very excited about. Where in particular are you going? Going to Florence Mm -hmm. and then south to uh, the Amalfi Coast. Oh, beautiful. So you're going to hike along the Amalfi Coast? Go, Yeah, we'll do some hiking and swimming and relaxing. Eating, drinking. Eating, drinking, all of that. The whole thing. So we still get it on the Amalfi Coast where... I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Would you still get up in the morning and run? Or are you going to take a vacation from running when you go on vacation? No, no, no. I'll still run. I'll either run or swim. Okay. Well, I could say swimming in the waters off the Amalfi Coast, but 
I think that's a not necessarily a road I'd want to go running on, unless you could find some other place to run. Well, we'll we'll be in Positano, Florence, Florence though. Yeah, f- yeah nice place to if run. you go early. But Positano has some pretty places. It's hilly. Yeah, but there's some. You don't want to be on the main road, but no. um, there's some pretty places. It's doable. Yeah, last time I was in Florence, there was a uh, 10k that took place. I wish I had known about it. We showed up the night before, and my wife and I were out wandering around looking for a place to buy. <laughs> pastry <laughs> there you go and and coffee for her and yeah it was sort of amazing 10k right through the heart of old florence it looked uh wonderful yeah it looked like it would have been a lot of fun but i had no idea so but you missed it i missed it yeah we showed up after it got started otherwise i might have done it well you might check the website before you go just FYI. okay okay right. I'll, I'll i'll do that it was sort of at this time My spare of time Sort of this time of year. Yeah, spare time. Okay, good. All right, so here's today's topic. And we don't, I know we don't have a ton of time today because um, I know you have to go sell something. I is um, So is commission still relevant? <laughs> Ask my sales reps. Why are they always complaining about it if it's not relevant? Well, I just wonder if, you know, it's, it's yeah, you, know, you read the reports. You know, we've got this issue, CSO Insight, saying we've got this issue with you know, fewer than 50% of reps attaining quota. And you and I have talked in the past about you know, low close rates. And it's like, all right, well, if all the, we take all these factors. And Forrester's report about declining close rates in B2B as well. As, it's like, oh, huh. Commissions don't seem to be having the impact that, that we want. I mean, is it, is it sort of like, I was wondering whether sort of like there was I read an article this weekend that sort of triggered the thought. It was about you know the crazy CEO salaries in big companies, right? Where they pay somebody you know twenty million dollars a year, and the study somebody had done a study saying that you know paying the big salaries has had absolutely no impact at all on the performance of these companies or on their share prices. Mm-hmm. So companies are basically getting nothing for the exorbitant salaries they've they've created out of these celebrity CEOs. And it just got me thinking about sales, right? Is is do we really need the commissions to attract the best and the brightest if that's what we're, you know, shooting for? And hopefully we are. Um, given sort of where we're at now in terms of industry performance, profession performance across multiple industries. Just wondering. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm I'm not on one side or the other necessarily, but I, th- I think it's a conversation worth having, not just you and I, but on a broader basis is, do we really need to offer I'll that t- as a way to get the people into the sales that, that can help us close business? Well, let me ask you, would you have gone into sales? Would you have gone into sales if it, it didn't have the financial sort of upside and swing and potential. I think that on balance, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think that on balance, I would have made over the course of my career, probably would have made setting aside, you know, equity and stars, but from a salary and compensation, incentive compensation, probably would have made as much had I been, you know, VP of marketing most of those years and startups and so on, as opposed to so granted, some of it's Affected by the fact I was always working for startups that underpay compared to, or historically underpaid, right? Compared to market jobs, you know that's less so the case today than than it was. But, um, yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, my first 
job in sales, you know, the percentage of commission I got paid was so small, it really wasn't a difference maker. So, I, I mean, this is a good one. I would love to get rid of commissions, actually. Really? I'd love to. Yeah. It, it just... It ends up taking a lot of time, a lot of cycles. Am I getting paid? Am I getting dinged? Am I doing this? Am I doing just a lot? Um, there are. I wouldn't have the same reps for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are many that they like that. You know, based on what they do and how they work, that they can make more. So I think that's. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the same reps. Now that doesn't mean that it wouldn't necessarily be a good net result at the end. I know. One of the things I was thinking about is that yeah, there are no shortage of professions that attract bright, competitive, ambitious people to come into them that aren't sales. People that are looking to get ahead in the careers. People are looking to make a good dollar. People to right. looking you know ambitious in terms of getting promoted. That. And the professions where there are sort of objective performance measurements, increasingly across professions there are. So it's like, I just wondered whether we're reaching a sort of a point where commissions are actually scaring right. people away from the profession. Some of the talented people, as opposed to attracting them. It may we're attracting people that see it as a way to make more money that perhaps wouldn't uh, you know wouldn't succeed in other professions I don't know I I think one thing one thing that I do think about is there's a lot of pressure in sales and you know to hit numbers and and I think if I were getting paid half would it be worth the pressure hell no like uh-uh I and I'm not saying that sort of where I sit today, but I think there's a lot of pressure and I don't think the pressure would be any less to bring, to bring in deals. So I don't know. It just, it's, it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good question. I mean, there are uh, companies that they don't pay commissions anymore and do quite well and do quite well. And I really like that. Well, I just I wonder if that takes some of the pressure off. Well and 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 in and in taking the pressure off, and and I've written about this in the last year based on some studies I'd read, that you know, the pressure can actually be counterproductive. Yeah, but where's do you think a CEO is gonna put less pressure on sales if he's not paying commissions? No, but I'm saying that the the fact of the commission puts more pressure on people and can actually in certain situations uh, lower their performance, you know, the expectation as opposed to when you take away the commission itself, they still, yeah, pressure to get the deal closed, but just everybody's got pressure to perform. I mean, the thing is, do we make more of the pressure to perform in sales? Yeah, yeah, I think we do perhaps, and perhaps rightly so, but yeah, it's not the only, only job out there where people have to perform and yeah, you know, look at people, and if you have a manufacturing facility, right? They or your software development team, yeah, they got to pressure perform to get products out a certain time to make sure the code's good, solid, works as promised, and so on. Um, yes, pressure's all over. Yeah, but I, I would say 
and this is not true in, in every situation. And I would say at Logs.io, um, we have an uh, amazing engineering team that gets code out at such velocity and quality that stuns me. But I have seen at other in other organizations where an engineering team can miss a deadline or it just continues. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay, well, it slips a week. Ah, God, we didn't we didn't know it was going to take so long. And that's not that's not where I am right now, but I've I've seen that and I've never seen that in sales. I've never seen it in sales where it's like, ah, it doesn't matter if we miss a quarter a month or true. No, that's that's true. I mean I So that's why I wonder. That's why I wonder. Yeah, it's it's again, I think this is a conversation that's worth having on a broader scale. And I know some as you said some companies have had it, they've decided no commissions. And yeah, I think if you're oh, part of part of when you look at sort of the specialization of sales, one of the things you're really seeing is that yeah, it really becomes more of a team effort to some yeah. degree. Everybody, everybody yeah. has their role to play. And if somebody doesn't play their role, the outcome doesn't happen. But it used to be that historically, salespeople looked at commissions as compensation for risk. Right? I'm in a risky profession. I, profession. I could be fired any month if I don't hit my numbers. Therefore, you know, I I need these commissions. That's almost like, a, as I said, it's almost like a compensation for the risk. Yeah. And as you split the process up into smaller pieces that each person, a different person has responsibility for each piece, yeah, the, the risk is spread. And um, yeah, it doesn't, to me, at least doesn't make sense in all cases to just automatically assume that you should be paying commission to the person who just happened to be there when the deal closed because quite honestly, you know, I'm not a big believer in quote-unquote closers anyway. Um you know, customers tend to make decisions in a room without a salesperson present. Yeah, it, sometimes, but a salesperson can do an awful lot in the process, oh, sure. and they're not <laughs> the only one. I know. I'm not, and believe me, I'm in sales. I mean, I, I'm. I just think it's there's so many issues here that, again, I wonder whether you know we're actually holding people back from coming into the profession based on that, and very capable, competent people. And anyway, we're not going to solve that today, but it's just, I think people need to start thinking outside the the conventional way about salespeople, what constitutes a salesperson, what do we really want salespeople to accomplish, and are we really moving that forward by paying commissions as opposed to salaries? I'm, I I love the, I, I love the topic and I'd love to try it. I'd love to be in a place where maybe that's my next thing. I'd love to be in a place where there was no commissions. All right. So employers right. out there, when Bridget's note, ready, when Bridget's note, ready. I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go something. close a deal now. I've got to go, go help close, close a, deal. a deal, which I love. All right. That's a great way to end the program. Bridget's going to go close a deal. Friends, thank you for joining us. And we will talk to you again next week. It's a team sport. That's right. All right. Bye. Looking forward to it. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guests, Pat Lynch and my friend Bridget Gleason. Join me again next week as I'm joined by my guest, Kevin Freiberg. Kevin is a best-selling author and biographer of business leaders, and we're going to talk about his new book, Bochy Ball, The Chemistry of Winning and Losing in Baseball, Business, and Life. And it's 
stories about lessons you can learn from the great baseball manager, Bruce Bochy, manager of those San Francisco Giants. And of course, No Accelerate would be complete without swapping stories with my friend Bridget. As always, she'll be joining me for our weekly conversation, so be sure to join us then. Thanks again to our sponsor, Discover Org, for their ongoing support of Accelerate. Thanks again for joining me, and until next week, good selling, everyone.